episode 25, a milestone. 25. 25. Are you ready? Wow. I mean, this is our silver anniversary, and who better to spend it with than the silver fox himself, Tom Atkins. Tom Atkins. That's exciting. Yep. See, we saved him for the 25th for that very reason. That's right. We planned it. Totally planned. Yeah. That was like our, that was your original idea. Like we should do a podcast and we should have yeah. Tom Atkins be our 25th guest. I was like, great. Wait, wait to see who we, wait to see who we have lined up for the 50. Oh boy. Woo. Forget about Woo. it. You're not going to believe it. You're not. <laughs> oh shit. I, you know what? I should probably put my mic towards me the whole time I had it over there. It's like, that might make a difference. Um, <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. A little bit. Uh, but, so 25th. All right, let's jump into it because we got stuff to talk about. Yeah, let's get into it. What do you want to get into? I'm down it, here. Should yeah, we but, get my shit out of the way first? Yeah, let's do it. Let's hear it. All right. Down here, I'm out of quarantine. Uh, I've been out of quarantine for six days, four, five days, six days. It's great. It's glorious. Australia, or at least this area of Australia, is relatively COVID free. It's COVID. COVID free, COVID. 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 COVID, COVID, and it's great. You can walk around, no mask on, and and uh, it's great. The only time you have to put a mask on is when you enter certain <clears throat> establishments and stuff. But other than that, they have this really great uh, tracing system. Anytime you like go into a restaurant or a bar or whatever, you have to take your phone and hit a little barcode thing, and it scans and tells the government exactly you know where you went in. So in case something happens, they, they can trace oh, it. That shit wouldn't fly down here in America. It sure wouldn't, because that's it's my freedom. That's right, brother. <laughs> that's right. I don't I bleed red, white, and blue, brother. You ain't gonna get my info. That's why they you know they put in the microchips in the in the vaccine because they're trying yeah. to trace you. Because they You're can't already trace you with this. That's can right. They? What? <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so no, and nobody bitches and moans and complains about having to put a mask on or having to check in or anything. And hence, it's relatively COVID free down here. Yeah. And so people are uh, happy, right? That's crazy. And they're happy. They're perfectly happy <laughs> and going about their daily lives actually better than before. Um, it's they're all caring for each other and nice, and it's great. And, uh, it's pretty, it's, it's, it's it, like I said before, man, you're just going, man, America, get your shit together. No, you get know your what that's called, man? That's called pussies. They're pussies. Yeah, they're, they're snowflakes. They're soft. They're soft. Uh, and, but uh, it's, it's, so that's interesting and super mm -hmm. cool. You know, it was amazing to come home from work the other day, walk down the street, which the beach is right, right there. Mm -hmm. I, I got up this morning and super early at 6 a.m. and went down and went for a walk on the beach. I saw your post. It was lovely. And um, uh, you can just walk down there and you can walk into a restaurant, sit down and order a meal and have a glass of wine and, and talk to people and everyone's happy. It's just... No, it's like, you know, it's like, get your shit together, America. You could have this. It's, it's yeah. attainable. Just follow yeah. some rules, <laughs> and, and no one's taking no one's taking anything away from you. Yeah, you will want for not. Just man, I think there were eight cases total in Sydney. Wow, last week, 
but they were able to trace it and lock it down and it was it was uh it was great so uh, it's nice being free it's nice walking around it's um it's pretty great it's pretty great i think i'm gonna go to the movies tonight Ooh. yep you already know what you're gonna see i don't i haven't even looked i don't even give a shit i just want to go to the movies and have some popcorn and you know, I'm going to go out to a nice dinner at a restaurant. Then I'm going to go to the movies and have popcorn. It's going to be like, it's going to be glorious. Shit, you may never come back. I might not. It's pretty <laughs> damn great. Started working, started the gig, and the gig's going good. It's hard, it's brutal, but it's good. Uh, and then juggling, you know, work here and work there because I'm prepping another show over there. So I have to get up extra early and get my day in in L.A. before L.A. shuts down and then start my day here. So. I'm a little wrecked, a little yeah. tired, but good kind of tired. I'm happy. It's all good, positive stuff. So, so my guess is you don't have a get off my lawn for this week. Uh, you know what? It's still packaging, man. Packaging. I have it's. I've been unpacking stuff and unwrapping stuff and unpack. What is with the packaging? With the world, do we gotta package shit so fucking tight like it's? uranium i don't understand what the deal is i can't get into these packages and then you get into the packages and there's more packaging and there's styrofoam and twisty things that hold stuff on more styrofoam and plastic bits and you're just like fuck it's a fork anyway that's my only get off my lawn moment my other get off my lawn moment is america get your shit together <laughs> because a lot of other countries already have their shit together and Take your freedom flag and fucking put it to rest for a second so we can all get back to normal. All right? Mm. Great. Thank you. Oh, and we have a new president, which is awesome. I'm not going to get into politics, so that's exciting. No. And uh, that's about it. I got to tell so, you, it's, it's, it's kind of crazy waking up here now and not immediately turning on the news to see what the fuck happened today. Like, to actually feel right. like, you know what? I don't really need to right now. I'll check it later. You know, yeah. It's, yeah. Been, it's been it's been quite a relief. Um, yeah. But but to get to to get to the get off my lawns, I got a couple. I got a couple. Oh, let's hear it. All right. Well, one of them, you know, has to do with McDonald's. I, I had a McDonald's experience the other night. I was not pleased about. Um, <laughs> these are real world problems. So yes, this so I said to Nay, I said, you know, I feel like a treat. You know, how about like a little McDonald's Sunday? You know, I'll run over and grab a couple Sundays. And she's like, okay, yeah. She goes, I'll, I'll have a strawberry one. I'm like, yeah, hmm, strawberry Sunday sounds really good. Uh, yeah, got my mind all ready for strawberry Sunday. Go over there, go through the drive-through because the McDonald's, they still don't have the lobby open, uh, the one by my house. Get to the window or to the order thing. And I'm like, yeah, two strawberry Sundays. And they're like, oh, we don't have strawberry Sundays right now. And I go, are, do you guys not carry them anymore? And they said, uh, no, we have a limited menu due to COVID. And I'm looking at the menu and it's literally the same fucking menu I've seen forever, except strawberry Sunday. Like is, is, is taking the strawberry Sunday off the menu. What is the purpose of that? What it's is saving it? Lives. Yeah. It's what, saving is, lives. what is it about COVID that, that is omitting the strawberry topping you put on top of the same vanilla ice cream you're using for the other Sundays. Right. I just thought that was ridiculous. I, I, I'm well, like, I think it's because they realize that the strawberry topping is made from bats, Chinese bats. There's a, and so 
but call me crazy, but I think it's the same strawberry stuff they stick in the shakes that they. So it's sure. I don't understand what the deal is, but anyway, that pissed me off. Get off my lawn. I want my strawberry Sundays back. Um, and then the other thing is Hobby Lobby needs to fucking stop it with the goddamn signs of like, you know, love in this home or or you know all their their slogan signs dude hobby lobby is filled with nothing but uplifting slogan signs right i mean everywhere you look it's some fucking sign that says some weird big christian cult thing well well, they are but it's but it's it's just who's buying all these signs who's buying these signs that say you know uh uh you know whatever you know this house is a house of is there, love or, you're, you're saying is there is there such a high demand that they gotta have so much inventory of this shit i mean hobby lobby's <laughs> a ginormous store and i think 50 percent of their store is those stupid signs i yeah. mean my god enough with the inspirational signs <laughs> i don't you need, know what i don't need yeah. your manufactured inspiration <laughs> no no exactly your corporate inspiration yeah. And I went in there once in the past. I've been in there once, and that was recently, only because I was desperate. Mm-hmm. They didn't even have what I wanted, like not even close. And it was a simple item, like yeah. a simple hobby-type item. I was like, well, you don't even have that, but they have a ton of that other shit that you don't need. Yeah. Styrofoam styrofoam balls to put plastic plants, you know, plants in. You're going, what, what, am, I, what am I doing with this? Uh, anyway, well, those are two good ones. There yeah. you go. So, yeah, so those are my... Um, so let's, let's talk about, uh, what have, have you been watching anything? I mean, you, did you watch any stuff your last few nights? No, I haven't because I've, I've been just too busy when I get back. I'm, I'm wrecked. So oh. I, I haven't, no, I haven't watched anything. I've been on a sort of a vigilante sort of gang type of kick lately. I watched the first two death wish movies, which, um, because I bought Death Wish 3 on Blu-ray and I wanted to get, I mean, I've seen them all a bunch of times, but I wanted to, I didn't want to just jump into three. I wanted, I, so I watched one and two again, which I hadn't seen in a while. And man, you know what? They're not that good, really. No. I, I mean, <laughs> and Charles Bronson, who w- is a great actor. I mean, you look at some of his early performances. I mean, like even his Twilight Zones. I mean, he's great. But in Death Wish, he just seems like he don't give a shit. He, he just phoning yeah. it in. Yeah. And uh and his wife in the part in part two, she is terrible. God, she was awful. The, I, I forgot what the actress's name is, but she she was his wife in real life. Um right. Yeah, she's really bad. And and God, just the rape scenes in part two are just so just they're it's like too much, man. It, it it's just I don't know, it's not that great. I remember part three just being so batshit, it's fun. Um, so I'm yeah. looking forward to part three. Uh, I also watched Vigilante, the uh, uh, William Lustig film with uh, Robert Forster and um, Fred the Hammer Williamson. And I enjoyed that movie more than the Death Wish ones, even though it's got a really kind of a lame ending. The ending sort mm-hmm. of not that great, but I, I just got a real soft spot for Robert Forster. I love that guy yeah. so much Yeah, in yeah. everything he's, he's in. Yeah. Um, and then I also watched uh, 315, The Moment of Truth. Uh, I don't know if you know that film. Not very well known. It starred um, 
uh, Adam Baldwin from My Bodyguard and Deborah Foreman from Valley Girl. And, yeah. and it's basically a, he was in a gang. They kill somebody, go too far, and he wants out. He gets out. They go to the same high school. The gang is getting busted at the school for drugs, and the gang leader runs into the locker room where he's getting changed and says, you know, put this in your locker. And he's like, get that shit away from me. And then he gets busted. And it's like, you're going to pay for that. You know, and now it's the gang is after him and his girlfriend and one of those movies. But as I was, it's fun. Fun movie. Yeah. 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 Um, so I'm glad I bought that that Blu-ray because uh, you know, it was just an impulse buy. But um, the other thing I watched, which I know somebody asked about, so I'll wait until we get to the question, was about the uh, Richard Ramirez documentary series. Oh, yeah. I did watch that. You did. Okay. Well, we'll talk about that when yeah. we get to the question. Yeah. A lot of buzz from our last episode um, because of our guest, Robbie Kiger, which you weren't involved with. Um, right. Yeah, lots of comments. You know, I'm glad everybody was respectful. Um, you know, there wasn't, I, I only deleted one comment. There was only one rude comment. But yeah, you know, hey, the guy has had, you know, a rough patch. Um, he's a really sweet guy. You know, hopefully, you know, doing the private signings, making him some extra money helps him out, I hope, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah. he's a good guy. And uh, I thought he gave a really open and candid interview uh you know yeah and i spoke to and andre gower and fred decker afterwards um and andre has no recollection of the incident that robbie speaks of um mm. he thinks that maybe he remembers like the party and everything but doesn't remember that incident per se maybe he, mm. he said he thinks maybe he thought that he was mad about it or something but he said he had no beef with robbie and um, mm. I hopefully I, they I, I gave information to everybody. So hopefully they're all connecting, you know. Right. Was it an overall positive response to that? one? Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was. I mean, you know, I didn't I, I think I told this to you after I did the interview that, you know, it was sort of a spur of the moment idea because I was sitting yeah. there at the signing watching the person getting their, you know, all the stuff signed. And I'm just kind of, I'm the one who brought him there. I'm the agent, if you will. Right. And I'm just sitting there and Robbie just starts telling stories. And I was just like, wow, these are some great stories. And, you know, mm -hmm. Hey, you would, you want to do an on-camera interview? I mean, we should be documenting this stuff. And yeah. he was all about it. So um, I'm, I'm glad we did it. And I just want to, yeah, I just wanted to make sure it didn't come off as trying to exploit uh, somebody in a bad situation. And so when I went back and I watched it and I and 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 he told me how much he appreciated it and enjoyed it and wanted it to be seen. I was like, yeah, you know, this is it, this is not a exploitive yeah. thing. So I didn't I didn't see it as that. I saw it as an opportunity. It was obvious that 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 guy wanted to kind of get he look it feels like he's trying to get back into the world in a positive way and you know he's he also seems like a guy who does things to extremes yeah and so he, even even dipping his his toes in the water of getting back out there is going to be a little more extreme and come off a little more extreme than most people mm. you know <laughs> yeah. and less, less calculated so i think i think that's the way it came off to me and i think uh uh 
you know, like you can't worry about what everybody thinks, man. It, it's, you know, it, yeah. it, it all came from a good place and good intentions from you and him. So that's all that matters. Done. Doesn't matter what people think. <clears throat> well, let's dive into the questions. Um, let's dive in because I'm going to go dive into the ocean. No, that's not true. Oh, by the way, I also watched, I did watch the MLK documentary. I don't know if you saw oh, that. I haven't. It's called MLK FBI. It's really, you should watch it. It's pretty heavy. Really? Yeah. Really? It, it's all about how the FBI was basically terrified of King. And sure. I mean, you can make your assumptions <laughs> if they had him killed or not. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's, uh, what's that up? What, what, uh, that it's on demand right now. Speaking of King, the the King has has died. We, That's um, right. Larry King passed away today. That's right. Yeah, eighty nine. He was. Yeah. God, I thought he was far older than that. But uh... well, you know, it's funny. I mean, there was a moment recently where he had been kind of off the air for a while and came back and yeah. I was like, Oh shit, he's still alive. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I was, I, I didn't realize he was still with us. And I mean, I knew he was when I heard today, but there was a moment there where I thought he had passed. So, right. yeah. um, but I mean, that guy's had a hell of a career and a hell of a life. And yeah, yeah. Oh, we could only, we could only hope to have that kind of career and longevity and respect. Yeah. As well. well, eventually the show will get there. I'm sure, you know, people will be like, <laughs> Larry, who? Eventually. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, here's the next one on the vigilante uh, lineup. Got to go to the exterminator next. Oh, I like the exterminator. I, I, I remember always liking that. That's a good one. That's a good one. That one I'll probably watch that one and Death Wish. I think show. Exterminator 2 I like better. Really? I, Ooh. I do. I, th I seem to remember Exterminator 2. Well, Exterminator was always on HBO when I was a, when I was younger, like every day around the clock. Mm. And I didn't have HBO, but my best friend did. So after school, we would go to his house and watch the Exterminator because it was on every day. So I've seen it like that. But then Exterminator Two came along, and I was like, "Ooh, this is like the Empire Strikes Back of Exterminator." <laughs> I don't know if you see it there, Nays little Elm Street house. Oh, yeah. Right. Yes, there, there, that way. I don't know that way. <laughs> it's always weird when looking at the camera. I can't figure out which way. It looks great. She did a great job. I put a lot of light in there. Nice. How cool is that? Nice. Yeah. So. Really, tell her congratulations. She did a great job. If anyone's interested, DM me, and I'll get you her info. We got questions, everybody. More questions from people. All right, so we're gonna start with both of these. Both of these got both of them. Yeah, Sean and Chris, have you guys seen the new Night Stalker Netflix documentary? And were you guys living in LA during the attacks? That is a good question and part of what I wanted to talk about. Um, I, I did see it. I thought it was really good. I was living in LA. And I remember it very, very well. And I remember it being very scary. I remember there was an overwhelming sense of not only panic and fear and, and you know, it was, it reminded me very much of the, what was it, the summer of Sam, you know, in New York when the Son of Sam was that hot summer in, in the 70s. Uh, but uh, yeah, I remember it very well. And I remember 
it was all about locking your doors. It was all about make sure the doors are locked, make sure the windows are locked, make sure. I, I seem to remember a lot of people having weapons like baseball bats and things beside their beds in the middle of the night. You know, people not sleeping really, people sleeping in the day and not sleeping at night. And I remember being literally like had a mass hysteria. It was yeah. it was insane uh, and and very scary. Although, well, we'll get to that later. But uh, I thought it was really great. But yeah. I, I do remember. Yeah, um, I remember it very vividly. I can even remember where I was, like the first time I took it serious, like when I when people were taking it serious, I was staying the night at a friend's house. And I remember, for whatever reason, that night was the night of man, you know, lock the windows, lock the doors. And I remember being genuinely terrified like looking out the window, like, could he be out there? You know I mean? It, and I was yeah. at the time I was like 14, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. so yeah, I, I remember that vividly and, um, you know, right by my house here about two miles away uh, in mission Viejo was where he killed one of the families. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, so I've actually driven by that house. Uh, and, uh, well, that, that, that's what the scary thing about it was at that time was, it was and, so random. It was so random. And it was, and LA is such a huge city. I mean, it covers, I don't think people really realize when you say, when, when I say Los Angeles, I'm saying Los Angeles, Los Angeles County and the outskirts mm -hmm. of it. It's, so vast i don't think people have an idea and the murders the one of the reasons why it was so scary is it was so random in super far opposite ends of los angeles and Los Angeles. like it could be anywhere like yeah. mission viejo to you san know, francisco <laughs> san francisco yeah. to in the valley you know uh, you're like going what and uh that's another thing that made it so damn scary and so random also like houses apartments older people younger people male female it was just so strange and uh and also too at that time obviously there was no social media it, it wasn't it like it is now and that's something that 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 series kind of sparked in my head it was like I don't pay much attention to what's going on these days as far as murders or serial killers or stuff. Is that still even a thing? You know what I mean? Is that a, a common thing that I don't really follow or hear about so much? What was the reason why the seventies the and eighties had this serial killer block of, you know, <laughs> well, of all these things, you know, so. I think it's because it's really, hard to get away with these days i mean sure i mean yeah. as soon as you find out someone's killed in a certain spot they're checking all these cameras in the area they'll yeah. they'll they'll find you you're gonna get yeah. you're gonna get caught i mean it's it's yeah. it's not like the good old days where you could just kill somebody yeah. and have a good time get away with it yeah <laughs> and there's no one taking a picture and there's no one doing this and also the evidence technology now you know the, the finding you is insane so mm-hmm be good kids, but yeah, great series. I, I really enjoyed it. It, it. Although I did, I'm also fascinated the fact that he the whole hail Satan thing, and <laughs> which I found comical yeah. actually, especially when he goes hail Satan and then he walks off. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was really funny. I, I think the, the other thing that I just shook my head at was all his groupies, all the girls that were yeah. sending him photos and wanted to have sex with him. I'm like. 
what is wrong with you people? What the hell is wrong with you? These are, these are, this guy killed families and ruined people's lives forever. And you want to fuck this guy because you're a dumb ass. You know, it's like that kind of stuff drives me nuts. But oh, uh, that's just the uh, fascination with fame. So, the American way. Yep. Uh, but but great far- share. Yeah, the documentary I thought was phenomenal, especially how yeah. they didn't glorify him. They they didn't even yeah. show him until the fourth episode, like a picture right. of him, you know? Right. Yeah. Itachi yeah. Uchaya? I don't know. I'm wondering if people are making up weird ass names just to trip me up. <laughs> Itachi. Yes, it's, it's just to y- fuck with you. <laughs> y- Ukaiha. Uh, said that Robbie Kiger is right and Margaret was dating Elvis Presley for four years. Okay, so there you go. Um, Eobard Thawne said, question for Sean and Chris. It was just John Carpenter's 73rd birthday. What are your top three Carpenter films? I don't know. Should Mm. we save that for a ranking episode or should we just go ahead and give our top three? Give your top three. Go. You go. Me? Yeah. Uh, That's hard, man. I gotta say... Off the top of my head, that's tough. All right, I'll go. That's a tough number one, go number one, I'm going Halloween. Number two, The Thing. Yes. Number three, The Fog. Right. I'm going, oof, that's a tough one. I love Halloween. It's tough to get three in there. <laughs> but if I had to, it's like, how, it's like The Thing, Halloween, and the third one is either Escape from New York or Starman. I'm a big Starman fan. I think mm. it's a really good film, which I want to, which I think should be, never mind. I have a theory about that, but anyway, go ahead. Those, those are mine. Those are mine. Okay. Bobby Hall said, question for the two heads. How do you guys rank the Star Wars movies, including Rogue One and Solo? Man, that's a whole, he says, Christopher, I know you only like the original trilogy, but I'm curious what your opinions and criticisms are of the prequel and sequel trilogies. Thanks, guys. I made a force be with you. That's like a whole episode, dude. I yeah. mean, there's so many of those movies. Um, yeah. We'll get to that. I know it's not horror, but we'll, you know what? We'll, we got to put some thought into that. That isn't just the off well, the top yeah. of that answer. I mean, real quickly, Solo, I wasn't really interested because there's only one on Solo, and that's Harrison Ford. Yeah. End of fucking story. Yeah. I'm sorry, call me closed minded, but I can't get past that. It's Harrison fucking Ford. Without him, forget it. Yeah. And then. And then Rogue One, I don't even remember. It's those series of movies for me. My, I, I'm not crazy about them. Um, and my biggest issue with them really is that they have like five endings. Like they never end. You're like, okay, is that the end? Nope, goes for another 20 minutes. Okay, is that the end? Nope, and it's 15 minutes. Okay, is that the end now? Like you're just, you couldn't pick one, so you just put them all in. Yeah. Like, oh. Yeah, I mean... I hate the prequels. The the, yeah. the 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 prequels, all three of them, to me are garbage. Um, yeah. I liked Force Awakens. I liked Rogue One. Solo was meh. Uh, Last Jedi has lots of issues, but it was fun. But it's not yeah. good. Um, yeah. But I love Mandalorian. There you go. Right. Um, Matt Ray says I love Robbie's honesty in the in this interview. To have been a child actor in the 80s and walk away from the business for a normal life is something that I respect 100%. As he alluded to, once you hit puberty, you aren't the cute kid anymore and roles dry up. He was smart enough to see the way the industry worked, and I hope he 
and can one day find a sense of resolution with Andre. Okay, so he's just making a comment there. It's nice. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Um, calm down, Rich. Christopher, you should stop by Rode Microphones in Sydney and ask them to sponsor the show. They sponsor a bunch of podcasts. Also, once you get back, you should join Sean in uh, Hollywood's Hollowed Grounds on that thing hey. you do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I would be in I'd be totally into that. I love it. Well, we've been love talking that. about going down to that orange circle and at least yeah. showing you. I mean, we could both we could film it. Um, yeah. I think that's his that's his kind way of saying you need a mic right now. <laughs> <laughs> Justin Matthews says, I'm not sure if it's classed as a sequel, but Mallrats is a good sequel comedy to Clerks. It, I guess Mallrats is it's a it's a sequel kind of isn't it? I mean, Scott Jay and Silent Bob, so it's technically sequel. Um, I mean, I guess Clerks Two is more of a direct sequel. But some the next person said Michael McGurn said Clerks Two is a lot better and funnier than Clerks. Um, this is going back to our topic of is there a right. a comedy sequel that's better than the original? Right. You know I. I love Clerks too, but I think Clerks is better. Um, yeah. I don't know. And as far as Mallrats, I think Clerks is better than Mallrats too. Right. I don't know. But well, there's a lot of opinions in here. We got a lot of sequel people uh, here. Uh, Brandon right. Gregory said, as far as comedy sequels being better than the first, I'd have to go with Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me, Shrek oh. 2, Deadpool 2, Back to the Future Part 2, and there can be an argument made for American Pie 2. Okay, well, first off, Back to the Future Part 2 is not better than Back to the Future. Sorry. No. Shutting that one down. Um, <laughs> I also don't think Deadpool 2 was better than Deadpool. I don't know. No. No. Um, Shrek 2? I don't know those movies. I I, I like Shrek 2. I'll, I'll give you that one. Okay. I like Shrek 2 better than the first one. I don't think American Pie 2 is better than the first American Pie. I don't even remember those. <laughs> Spy who shagged me, though. That's that's an interesting one. Maybe it is. I, I'm I'm with them on that. I mean, I worked on it, so yay. Um, I don't know if it's better. It's just a little different. I I, I get that. And that was that was a good one. Okay. Logan Demont said, "Here's a solid movie franchise trilogy that's almost perfect." Back to the Future. Now, well, you know what. Part three, I'll give him that because, you know, because we're, we're talking about, has there ever been a, a complete, you know, right. sequels? Right. Of it. You know, it's kind of like the first three Star Wars. I mean, you right. know, Jedi is not nearly the film the first two are, but it's still a good movie. And sure. I kind of go with that with Back to the Future 3. It's like, it's not nearly as good as one and two, but it's still a good movie. It's fun and it fits. I think the yeah. point of that is, the first three Star Wars, yes, one's better than the other, whatever, but they, they, for lack of a better term, pardon the pun, they, they're in the same universe. They fit. Mm -hmm. They go together. One film isn't so drastically, you're, you're not going, what they do here? And, and Back to the Future is like that. I could see that. It's very, it's consistent, more consistent than most. Lucas K said, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey and Austin Powers' The Spy Who Shagged Me are both better than the originals, but that's about it. Um, so he's in agreement on Spy Who Shagged Me. Bogus Journey, I I used to think I thought Bogus Journey was better, but then yeah. on revisiting them, 
I I'm sticking with the first one. And it's funny. I was with Alex winter two days ago and I told him about this topic and that several people picked bogus journey. And he said, that's Mm -hmm. a, that's a long debated topic between those two films, which one's better. Um, He didn't give me his personal opinion, but he said, yeah, lots of fans uh, are on the fence on that one. Ed Hill said the final destination movies are pretty consistently good. Gotta disagree with you, my friend. The fourth one, the 3D one, is garbage. The fourth one, it's like one, two, and three are super fun. The fifth one, I loved. Loved the way they wrapped it up. But the fourth one, when they tried to do the 3D movie, it's just terrible. It, and I saw how many it, of those. How many of those are there? Are there five? five? There's five. Oh. Yeah. Right. yeah, fourth one's poop. <laughs> Dino Clark. I don't know. No relation, Dino Clark. I love that you guys both love Shit's Creek, one of the best shows ever. And Chris, I also got choked up during the final episode, so absolutely no judgment. It's such a feel-good show, which we absolutely need right now. Another great feel-good show, if you haven't already watched it, is Ted Lasso with Jason Sudeikis on Apple TV. Like Chris... I was also disappointed in Wonder Woman 84. On a side note, I really do want to try Dunkaroos. Um, <laughs> so a lot of people have been posting about Ted Lasso, uh, this Jason Sedankus show. I, I want to check it out. It's, it's, I, I hear you got to stick with it. Like the first couple episodes may be a little slow, but then it gets amazing right. is what I'm hearing. Well, I like Jason Sedankus. I think he's, he's, he's pretty great, pretty consistent. Yeah, he's a super nice guy. I bumped into him and Olivia Wilde at the Arclight one night in the parking garage. Oh, yeah. And uh, being a massive Tron nerd, I had this. I'm like, Olivia Wilde, I'm like, Tron, legacy, you know, love love, love Tron, blah, blah, blah. And Sudeikis was like, you know, I said, oh, you know, I got the game in my house. He's like, you got, you got the game? You got the whole game? And he's like, that's awesome. He goes, you're into it, dude. You're into it. I mean, he was just super cool. <laughs> And I said, dude, I love, I said, I love you too on SNL when you're in the red track suit. <laughs> and he was, he's, he was a really nice guy. They were both really nice. So. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Matt Lucas said, Hey, Sean, just wondering how many Friday 13th filming locations have you been to? And would you ever do any Horrors Hall Grounds episodes for any Friday 13th films? Also, do you or Chris recommend anyone to overhaul my trick or treat studios H40 mask? Maybe Chris himself could do it. Haha, ha, that would be awesome. Um, Friday thirteen, <laughs> that would be awesome. Friday thirteenth films. Uh, I did written article episodes on part one and part four that were in Horrorhound magazine. I do plan on doing those two. Part two and three have been done. There's not a whole lot left on either. Uh, I really want to do part five. Um, and I know you've been to part six. I've never been there. And I know they're doing some screening there at the camp. Uh, oh, are they? Yeah, this summer, I think. And Tom McLaughlin's going to be there. Um, when are they doing that? Because I'm going to be in Atlanta. Uh, I'll look it up and let you know. I don't know off the top yeah. of my head. I would love to go to that. Be yeah. Um, and then uh, maybe I'd fly down and go with you. That'd be fun. Boop, beep, boop, boop. And as far as overhauls, I mean, the only person I know that does them is that Seven Sin Studios. And so he's the only guy I can recommend because he's really the only one I know that does it. I know there's a lot of people that do it, but. Yeah, there's a ton of people that do it. I get I get someone sending me one pretty much every day. 
a different person every day that's that wants you know the opinion and also all the tips on how to do it and again i'm always like man you know everyone wants my secrets because they're all making money off my secrets <laughs> it's like, like give me a percentage took me 30 years to figure out how to do it figure it out <laughs> uh, so seven sin studios is who i'd recommend um anthony landry said the christmas card uh picture remember the christmas card picture we couldn't figure out he said it's the ending of it's a wonderful life ah so there you go oh yeah that's right because his brother comes to that's right yeah uh gary lugazi gary lugazi hey (laughs) hey guys first off love the show helps me get through my night shift at the crematorium insert return of living dead joke here to respond to the third Tales from the Crypt movie comment, it was called Ritual, and it was released on DVD. I actually own it. Seriously love the show. Can't wait for the shirts. So he's talking about the one that you said that you'd worked on that never saw the light of day. It did come out. Right. Oh, it did. It came out on DVD as Ritual. Tales from the, Tales from the Crypt presents Ritual. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, that's interesting. Speaking of crematorium real quick, I know we have a lot to get through. I had heard down here, somebody told me, who was it? Maybe it was Stephanie told me that the air quality in LA is, is, is worse now and it's bad. And part of one of the reasons is because of the crematoriums are working overtime because of all the COVID deaths. <laughs> now that sounds like a return of the living dead beginning. <laughs> <laughs> the smoke is going to start coming out. No, but apparently that was a story in the Los Angeles Times. Recently. Oh shit. And it's raining today. Because, you know, the rain will bring it down and then they're really? all going to rise. Uh-oh. Right. Shit. Cold yeah. everywhere. It's so nice that it's raining today. It's so nice. Uh, yeah. It's 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 crazy to live in a place where you pray for rain. <laughs> uh, Christopher Bell says, I agree with Chris on Vegas Vacation. It's horrible. Otherwise, that would be a great franchise. I think I can safely say that I like every Star Trek movie. I can't think of one that's just unwatchable. I also like every Halloween movie, minus the Rob Zombie films, which I feel like are in a, their own alternate universe. So I guess they really don't affect the others. Um, I disagree with that, sir. Uh, but first off, I'm not a Star Trek guy, but the first Star Trek movies poop. Star Trek, the motion picture. I, I, I went and saw that in the theater when it opened just to give it a chance. Yeah. And it's yeah. terrible and boring and slow and... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I saw Rathacon. I think Rathacon's good. I, I love that's my favorite. That's the only one I like. Yeah. The rest of them, I'm glad you enjoy them, sir. But and yeah, the Halloween films, you have to count the Rob Zombies. And I'm sorry, yeah. but Resurrection is in there, sir. So I don't know what you're thinking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's from Vicky Maskell, Sean and Chris. I just want to say a big thank you to both for starting the show. It's definitely been a welcome break from all the doom and gloom. My voice, uh, puberty. All the doom, doom and gloom of the past nine months. And I look forward to your shows, which has become essential Saturday night viewing, along with pizza and cake. The two of my favorite things, pizza and cake. Yes. Stay safe and well, and looking forward to buying the merch when it's released. Vicky Maskell. Thank you, Vicky. That was awesome. That was a very nice letter. Thank and thank you. God she put how to pronounce her last name because I would have said Meshalak. Maskell. <laughs> <laughs> a 
scowl. Yeah. John Zateka said, Sean, are you a fan of Frank Ken Lauder's film Brain Damage? Uh, I saw it like once and Hen and Lauder's films don't do a lot for me. I'm not a basket case fan. Frankenhooker I like just because it's so ridiculous. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I've just never been a big fan of his movies. You? Right. I like Frankenhooker because it's just so ridiculous and all over the place. But um, no, not really. I mean, exploding hookers is pretty awesome. <laughs> I mean, you can't. Just stop after that because you're not getting better than that. Yeah. <laughs> Jordan Moran said, another great episode, guys. My girlfriend got me into Shit's Creek during lockdown, and I've been intending on binging a bunch of Christopher Guest movies, most of which I haven't seen. I think she'd enjoy them, as you point out, the similar humor. What is your top five? Top five Christopher Guest movies? Um, well, that's almost all of them, isn't it? <laughs> I think he only has like five, but... uh. I guess if you're saying in order, I'd go best in show. Then I'd uh -huh. probably go big picture. Uh -huh. Then waiting for Guffman. Yeah. Uh, then probably for your consideration and then mighty wind. Uh -huh. um, yeah. Well, we're not counting spinal tap because that he didn't direct that. So that's Rob Reiner. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. I'd have to say that I'd go waiting for Guffman then best in show. I love big picture too. Yeah. Dude, I um, quote big picture all the time, dude. It's just, yeah. It's so good. Dude, just uh, for Martin Short's part in there, you're making yeah. a huge mistake. <laughs> 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 I like all his movies, man. They're so good. I just, I, that sense of humor just really appeals to me. And, and it's so, I, that, I mean, the thing with big picture is I think it probably only really appeals to people that are in the business because yeah. it's got so many of those inside type of jokes that you it's, have to it's kind of hor horrifyingly accurate. Yeah. Like horrifyingly accurate. One of my favorite scenes is when he's applying for the job and he's looking at the application yeah. and he says, Oh, it says you're a director. Bill, uh, Jimmy, yeah. our busboy is a director. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's like so good. Yeah. So good. The best people. Don't be bitter, Chapman. <laughs> I love that movie. Um, yeah, Pez people. <laughs> Rene Rodriguez says, really cool to see Robbie Kiger is still alive. I actually thought he died. So glad he's finally taking part in the Monster Squad signing. I wish him good health. Thank you so much for sharing this interview. See, we, we, there you go. we, we've brought him back. Uh, right. Sawyer Smoke said, I'm pretty sure the only franchises I can think of that I enjoy all the films would be Austin Powers or the Tobey Maguire Spider-Mans. I don't know, that third, hmm. that third Spider-Man. Emo Spider-Man. Yeah. That was the one where I think I went and saw it and I walked out. I was in a big phase of walking out of movies. <laughs> well, I, I still do it. But that one I walked into and... I think I left after the uh, the beginning of the second musical number. Yeah. I was like, I'm out. I got up and left. <laughs> <laughs> he said, regarding the topic of superior comedy sequels, I think Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey definitely qualifies. It's a wickedly funny and creative follow-up with so Wicked. many great gags. Every scene with William Sadler's death is comedy gold. As much as I love and respect Excellent Adventure, Bogus Journey is one of those rare sequels that's better. 
What are your thoughts, guys? P.S. Looking forward to the eventual Alex Winter episode. Maybe Mr. Winter can tell us which of the three films are his personal favorite. You know, again, I'll give you this one. I mean, I think the first one's better, but they're both so damn good. I, I mean, yeah. I, I really enjoyed the expansion of, uh, or uh, I, I really enjoyed the expansion, but the, the Bill Sadler death, like that killed me. When I first saw the movie, I just wanted to see the whole movie about him. Yeah. It was <laughs> such a show stealing performance and so funny. You know, you sunk my battleship, but like that yeah. murdered me. I was. I, I, I just thought that was great. And there were, of course, there were a lot more makeup effects in it. So I was excited about that, you know, station and the robots and things like that. So um, I have a soft spot for that one. Matt Ray said, Sean, hearing you talk about Razorback reminds me of an article I read years ago about director Russell McCauley. Is it Russell McCauley? It's McCauley. McCauley. It's pronounced Colvin, man. What else could it be pronounced? Uh, Coven, uh, that's the proper pronunciation no 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 coven sounds like oven man and that's just it doesn't work russell mckay mckay yeah russell mckay it turns out that the producers william panzer and peter davis picked mckay to direct highlander after seeing razorback apparently it was a big hit in australia at the time when it came out so that combined with the popularity of his duran duran videos is what got him the job for highlander okay good to know i remember i i interviewed russell i was on set for I did a set visit in Mexico City on Resident Evil Extinction. I think that was mm. the movie he directed, and I mm. interviewed him on set for. I'm pretty sure that's where I met him. Mm. I don't know. I have to IMDb that to. I, I could be mixing up with another set visit, but I think that was. I think he was the director of that. Mm. Nice guy. Uh, Bert Vetter said, "Hey, Sean and Christopher, how are you holding up in quarantine so far?" Here is my comment on best comedy sequel. Austin Powers, A Spy Who Shagged Me, in my opinion. See, a lot of people picking that one. Yeah. Better than the original. Groten van Nut van... He put something in German, and then he put that it means greetings from the Netherlands and take it easy. Well, thank you. Boogeyman Ben. Boogeyman Ben, he's sending more questions. <laughs> you just ruin that song every time. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, thanks. Thanks guys for another great episode. And for answering my question, the segment with Robbie Kiger was a bit rough to get through. Seems like he's had a hard life and that makes me sad. Glad to see he's getting recognition for his work in monster squad and children of the corn, sending him and you both my best. Thank you, sir. Our best to you as well. Kevin Wrightson said, got the stickers today, Sean. Thank you. Love the show guys. Look forward to every episode. Thank Speaking you. of which, I just went to the post office and picked up a couple things here. Let's let's see what we got. We got uh, Rick, viewer mail time, everybody. Viewer mail. Rick Howard. Uh, here we go. And I believe he is AKA. It's all for you, Demon. Sean, here are some extra stickers for Chris. That was stupid of me to only send one of each. Insert uh, Phil Seymour Hoffman crying in his car in Boogie Nights. Included yeah. two glitter ones as well. Thanks for doing your show and creating such a such great content. Take care, Rick. And and he sent us both glitter ones of the Creatures of the Night one. Uh, nice. Ex- Thank you, Rick. An extra one of those. An extra one of these. And an extra one of those. So you're getting all of them now. 
I'm not going to hoard. I'm, I'm not going to hoard the good ones. Thank you, Rick. Appreciate it because Sean's a hoarder. I'm a hoarder. I got, uh, looks like, oh, there's no letter in here. It looks like David Miller just wants stickers. So it's a self-addressed stamped envelope. So David, I will send those out on Monday. And then Harris, let's see. Harris put Harris put $5 in here wow. and, and a self-addressed stamped envelope. And he says, hey, Sean and Chris, I just wanted to say thank you for all the entertainment you guys give us. My girlfriend and I look forward to every show. I was wondering if you... At the Dawn of the Dead reunion at Moreauville Mall a few... Oh, I, I think he... A little typo. I think he meant to say I was wondering if you were at the Dawn of the Dead reunion at Moreauville Mall a few years back. Uh, uh, I've been to a few. I've been to a few of them there, so I probably, yeah. Also, I wanted to know where Chris grew up in Pittsburgh. I live near where he grew up in Robinson. Keep up all the great work and look forward to all the new stuff from you guys in 2021. Thank you. Stay safe. Brian Harris... By the way, I was, I was the, by the way, I was the called just Brian on your live podcast. We watched a couple times and laughed our asses off. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I added an envelope for mailing and will probably put your stickers on my SUV. Doesn't acknowledge the $5 he put in there, but I'm going to get probably a, a Big Mac with that. So, or a, or a strawberry Sunday. I'm going to save that till strawberry Sundays come back. <laughs> anyway, thanks to that yeah. gentleman for yeah. being here. Thank you for watching. And as far as where I grew up, it was a place. It was a place called Irwin, Irwin, Pennsylvania, which is out near Greensburg, between like kind of Monroeville, Greensburg, and it was Irwin, Pennsylvania. Also, there was a smaller area there called Circleville, where that's where it kind of that was my name. So there you go. Off subject. Well, another topic. See this box of tapes here. Yeah. And this box of tapes here. Yeah. So I bought a mini DV player. I'm going through all these tapes, a treasure trove. I, I'm blown away by what I have. I've been transfer. I've been staying up late every night transferring them. Uh, wow. It's stuff from my journalism days where we did on camera interviews. I was the on camera guy for the horror channel, which never really became anything. But dude, right. I've got sit down interviews with Wes Craven, uh, wow. Richard Brooker, Jeffrey Lewis, you know, David Hess, a couple different interviews with David people, you know, these are guys that have passed away. I mean, yeah. there's tons of great interviews. I'm going to start putting them up on the channel. Um, oh, great. yeah, I'm trying to think of a name for it. And I was talking to my good friend, Evan McGar and, uh, <laughs> And he, he suggested doing a play on Garage Days Revisited, like Convention Days Revisited or something. Right, yeah, yeah. Which is kind of weird because I still do conventions and go to conventions. More like maybe like Journalism Days Revisited. I don't, right. I don't know. I'm trying to think of a clever uh, that's name. That's a good one. I don't know, you know, because you, you, you want people to go, did you watch CDR? I loved your last episode of CDR. <laughs> okay, CDR sounds better than JDR. Yeah, Journal CDR. Yeah, I was saying journalism days revisited would be no. JDR. No, it's convention days revisited. You can't go to journalism. Oh, well, the man is in the house. Are you ready? Here we go. I am ready. Let's do it. How's your sound? Hello, sir. 
Hiya, fellas. How you doing? <laughs> Hello, sir. How are you, Tom, sir? It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Hiya, Chris. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Can you? Am I too bright, too dim, too light, too dark, too anything? Or? Uh, you lighting. look great. Lighting looks all right? good. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the show. It's such a pleasure. I'm a huge, huge fan of yours. I think you are. A fantastic, I know you hear this shit all the time, so I'm just going to let me get it out because I don't know. How, you know. So I think you're a great actor. I love your stuff. Uh, uh, you're a fellow uh, Pittsburgh, fellow Berg. I'm from the Berg. Oh, you so, are? Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. Where are you from? Oh, my God. Where are you from in the Berg? <laughs> I'm from uh, I'm from not not anywhere near downtown. I'm uh, I'm out from uh, <laughs> I uh, no I I grew up kind of outside near Greensburg, a place called Irwin, Pennsylvania. Oh sure, so, sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, that that's where I yeah. grew up before I moved to LA when I was I think 15, 16 years old. So, but uh, yeah, yeah, from, I know it very well and grew up yeah. there. It molded part of part of who I am. So uh, yeah. uh, and I. You're a big Steelers fan, right? Yeah, so, me too. Me too. Yeah, it's a great city, great town. Yeah. I love it's it. so different. It's so different than what it used to be. It, it, when I grew up there, it was still dark and kind of deer huntery with the steel mills and the coal mines and things. And then when I left, they cleaned it all up, and now it's this really beautiful, high tech, amazing yeah. place. To live, right? It is. It's gorgeous. It's a yeah. wonderful town. It's like the San Francisco of the East. If you get up in Mount Washington and look down, it's a great setting where the three rivers come together down there at the point. And yeah, it's yeah. a wonderful neighborhoody kind of town. Yeah, that's great. That's yeah, speaking wonderful. of Pittsburgh, and I, I finally watched uh I finally watched the DVD you gave me. Um, um why am I uh, what what DVD the the chief the chief yes oh, the chief yes Did yes, you yes. Really? yeah I just I watched oh, yeah, it yeah about a week ago yeah yeah it was great it nice was great. huh yeah sweet sweet play yeah yeah about the old Art Rooney Senior yeah God, he he was a great guy he's an icon yeah. I never met him when he was uh. uh Growing up, you know, older. I uh, but I, I watch a lot of tape and stuff, and I I bear a certain similarity to him. And, and I was kind of born to play the part. I think I was born on North Side. He was born on North. Well, maybe not North Side, but he grew. He spent his whole life over on the <laughs> North Side. Yeah, yeah. Well, I want to see it. When I get back to LA. I'm gonna gonna get a copy of that. Oh, sure. Out. Yeah. I think it's available on Amazon or one of those places. Oh, well, I okay. Could, I could send you a day. I could send you a copy. No, I will sign it for you. Oh, I, that would be amazing. Okay. Yes. Okay. All right. <laughs> Hell, I'll do that. I see. I see. You got a horror hound statue back there. I do. Yeah. Somewhere. Oh yeah, right there. Hey, <laughs> can Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, we had one for. Best uh, Picture Audience Choice Award, award for Black, Black Waters of Echoes Pond. So, oh, nice. Anyway. Nice. So we got a lot of fan questions. So okay. I want to just start banging through these. Let's go ahead and just start with uh, Amanda7x says, 
Uh, question for Mr. Atkins, a uh, pretty obvious one, but how long did it take you to get the three more days, the Halloween song out of your head? Uh, <laughs> uh, after making that movie, you probably didn't even hear that song on set. Did you? Three more days than Halloween, Halloween. It has never gotten out of my head. We heard it all day, every day. Every scene we shot, I think you could hear it. Oh, it was, so they did have that sound on set. It was around a lot, yeah. I never found it too maddening. I, you know, it was so appropriate for the, uh, the film, especially in that... Uh, at the Buccaneer Lounge up there in Pasadena. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that, uh, when she and I were in there and it would come on and different places through the through the shooting. Yeah. <laughs> um, Andy Riker said, uh, what was it like shooting your death scene for My Bloody Valentine 3D with the, the pickaxe going through your mouth? Andy, I'll tell you. <laughs> I got, I got, I'll try not to make this too long, but I got a call from a, um, a woman agent here in Pittsburgh, not my agent, but casting agent. And she said, uh, Patrick Lussier would like to meet you. He's going to shoot a movie here, My Bloody Valentine 3D. I'd like you to be in it. I said, yeah, I'd love to meet him. So we met at a coffee shop downtown, little downtown there, at old hotel <laughs> at the uh, old William Penn. And um, he said, Tom, I want you to play the sheriff in this film. I think you'd be great in it. And um, my only problem is um, I'm afraid when I tell you how you die, you won't want to do it. And, and he told me and I said, that sounds good. Let's go for it. Yeah, sure. That sounds fun. And it was. It, it was a lot of fun. And they built that it was a real a pick axe bottom cut off you know not the not the pointy stuff and um the stuntman held that the guy uh, the killer chris carnell he, yeah you know he, he rec recently passed away did he yeah oh man i'm sorry to hear that yeah but he held the bottom and and um Mm, Gary Sutcliffe, Sutcliffe? Oh, oh, Gary, Gary Tunnicliffe. Tunnicliffe. He built a, um, a device uh, to fit over my teeth and hold in my mouth so that just the bottom was there and the thing was in my mouth and it looked great. And, and he, wherever he moved the handle, I went screaming <laughs> and, and, and then. And then Gary said, um, it will, uh, at the moment it happens, it will fly out over the right shoulder of everybody in the audience out through the corner. <laughs> and it, and it, it was great seeing it on uh, 3D out there in L.A. at the screening. I, the I, premiere. Yeah. I have to say that was one of my fondest memories. You invited me to go and I sat next to you. Yeah. And I have to say, I I think I enjoyed watching you watch the movie more than anything because <laughs> you laughed at yourself. Every time oh you were on God, screen, yeah. you were cracking yeah. up. <laughs> that was a fun night. Yeah. Do you enjoy watching yourself acting? I or yeah, yeah, sure. I get, you know, I'm, 
I'm just a fan of film. And uh, I've loved film since my mom took me to see uh, Stairway to Heaven in 1947 with David Niven and some other guys. Some guys get shot down in a bomber. And um, I'm a a wonderful audience for movies. I just love watching them. So I don't think much of me. I'm, I'm just into whatever I'm watching. Right. That's great. Yeah. yeah. Lee Robinson from the UK said Halloween three is one of his favorite movies. And how many takes did it take to get the perfect phone scream? Right. Was it a long process or did you smash it the first time? I think I smashed it one of the first couple of times. I think we did it a few times, as I recall, just for, you know, fly in the gate, make sure nothing was wrong, but but it was, uh, it was fun. That was fun. Did you ever see, apparently there was a version where at the very end, um, after the stop it thing that I guess it, the screen goes black and they had inserted the sound of screaming children. Did, did you ever no. see that? No, no. Wonder where that came out. Well, I'm a, from I what the did. story I've heard is that when they did the screening, uh, test screening that, the executives thought that that was a little too much that they wanted to just keep it a little more ambiguous. Like, did he save them? Did he not save them? You know? Yeah. Well, I know uh, Tommy Lee Wallace always says when we're at uh, conventions and that, if we're having a Q and a and he, uh, you know, he said the um, Tom going out with a scream leaves it. Did they save them? Did they not? But the alternative, you know, millions of kids screaming in agony <laughs> was not really what they wanted. Mm. <laughs> what he wanted. Yeah. I like, I like, I would, I would like to see that version because I think it would, yeah, it would, it would yeah. be so different and really impactful. I, I, yeah. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <about me. laughs> yeah. Well, Lee also wanted me to say that The Fog is one of his all-time favorite horror movies, and he wanted to thank you for freaking him out as a kid. And Great. And how is Good. Gus? Gus? The Golden Retriever? My old Golden Retriever? Who's I, Gus? I guess he said, how is Gus? Oh, uh, Gus died. Oh. Uh, we have Ace now. Gus uh, passed away at the age of 13. Um uh, cancer as goldens often get he was a great dog but now we have ace the wonder dog <laughs> and he's a uh 85 percent jindo south korean dog yeah our good friend colin murdy oh colin murdy colin murdy from where's he from ireland colin. No. scotland oh. um question for tom do you have any props from Halloween three or escape from New York at home? And would, and who would you like uh, to work with on film or stage that you haven't worked with yet? So he wants to know, did you keep anything from, from those movies? Oh, he's, Oh, you have one of the, are the, is that a real one? One of the creeps. No, oh. no, it was somebody gave it to me at a horror convention, but, um, no, I don't. I don't. Uh, I do not. No, I don't have any. 
And who would I like to work with that I have never worked with? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I work with everybody. I don't know. Anthony Hopkins would be nice. Uh, some some really old fine actors. Yeah. I would like that. Yeah. Daniel Caruso says, my question for Tom, <laughs> I saw you about to do it, Chris. <laughs> my question for Tom, what is his favorite dead film being he's from the Berg? Do you have a, a favorite of George's dead films? Oh, the first one, Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. Yeah. That's my first. Yeah. Andrew I would T- say creep show, but that's not a dead movie. So, <laughs> yeah. Andrew Thompson said, uh, you worked on a lot of big TV shows from the day. What was your favorite and any standout memories from then? From Rockford Files. Yeah. Without a doubt, Rockford Files. Jimmy Garner is one of the finest men actors I've ever met. Really good actor. And um, that, was, that was a treat. I'm sorry I didn't do more of them. I got a, offered a... Uh, uh, series, a pilot for a series that went to series for one one season. So uh, unlike today, back then, if if you were on a thing and you got something else, you were off the thing. Mm-hmm. But today, there, there are people doing two or three things at one time uh, in TV. But back then, you, you couldn't do that. So I left to do Serpico with uh, David Burney, a short live thing. But I wish I had done uh, more seasons with Jimmy. I only did two and I did about seven episodes. And then we did some movies of the week in uh, in the 90s. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We had a question from a guy named Rocky Floor who said, can you ask why he was the captain in most seasons of Rockford Files and not in some? And what was it like working with James? Uh, I think you answered both on that. I answered them, but I'll tell you, (laughs) I I was not the captain in the series. I was the lieutenant, Ah. Alex Steele. And I was promoted to commander Alex Steele in the uh, later uh, movies of the week thing in the nineties. I was bumped up. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Sawyer smoke said, hello, Tom. I'm a huge fan. I love your work. I have a few questions, but feel free to just answer one, but we'll ask both your, your choice. Number one, when working on Halloween three, you were signed up. Were you signed up for a sequel or was it always the intention to leave it open without resolution? And question number two, do you have any funny stories from your time working with, on Lethal Weapon with Mel and Danny? No, we were never signed up for any kind of a sequel. We just, uh, I was happy to do uh, Halloween 3. And we knew everybody was going to be upset because Michael Myers wasn't in it and that proved to be true. But um, no, I don't. I don't think at that time, Tommy or anybody had any intention of uh, moving along with that kind of storyline because it was John's original intention when he started Halloween was to have an anthology of different Halloween stories every Halloween, every year, or however often they could put them out. 
But um, when the first one came out, it was such a huge hit that the uh, other guys, the the money people said, uh, no, just make uh, Michael Myers movies. We don't we don't want this is already green lighted Halloween three. And it's in the shoot. You can make that, but don't make any more. And Tommy said, would like to call it Season of the Witch. And the money people said, no, 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 no. It's part of the franchise. You have to call it Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Hmm. But uh, that, yeah, that was that. And funny stories about Mel and Danny. Um, Not so much about Mel and Danny. Who's the guy that shot me from the helicopter? Gary Busey. Busey, yeah. He and I were down Western costume. I'm getting fitted for two beautiful Armani suits, banker suits, pinstripe, beautiful, gorgeous, fitted. He's getting his crap, you know, fight him, killer crap. And he gets a <laughs> phone call. And it's uh, and we're right there in the same room. And it's Richard Donner. And, um, and, and Busey said, yeah, yeah. So look, you know, I, this shit about being an albino, I, I ain't going to be no albino. I don't want to be an albino. What the fuck I got to be an albino for in this movie? <laughs> and, and, and then and he, and, he, and it gets quiet and he goes, yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Fuck. He said it hired somebody else if I wasn't the albino. <laughs> <laughs> so that was that. And uh, Mel, one of the one of the sweet things about Mel, he was young then and smoked like a chimney. He was he was terrific. He was uh, always right there, great fun. And uh, a good guy. And he had this little um, trampoline, a one-person trampoline in front of his uh, trailer home all the time. And he'd be out there, you know, just bouncing up and down in between takes and that and smoking while he's bouncing. Right. And, and I said to him, Mel, what do you, why do you do that? He said, Tom, Tom, greatest thing. It keeps every muscle in your body j- just to make sure that you stay on it. Everything is working. And he was, he was built good then. He was, he was tight. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Wow. He was, uh, I never really got to work with him much because he was on the edge of uh, both scenes in that. Right. Those are great stories. I like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, and then his son ended up playing an albino in that movie Contact. Just fun fact. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. Anyway. Um, Ernest Ponce said, love the show, Sean and Chris. Question for Tom. What was it like working with Robert Zadar and Bruce Campbell on Maniac Cop? Uh, Robert Zadar and Bruce Campbell. Robert Zadar... He's an odd fellow. <laughs> and I feel bad that he, he passed away and he had he had a lot of problems. And but he was he was easy to work with. It, it was his 
off set, you know, that he had so many problems in his life. But he was a terrific guy. I liked him. Good, good guy. Troubled. But um, Bruce, we see each other every once in a while at these kind of convention things around the country. And, and, and he said, and he always, we always meet somewhere in a bar or a signing room or somewhere. And he says, what the hell was it? with uh, the director, Susky, Gusky. Uh, Bill Lustig. Lustig, yeah. He said, you're the star of the first one, and you're dead in a half hour on top of a cab. Out of window, gone. The second one, I'm the star. I'm, I'm at a newsstand buying a magazine. Some guy stabs me to death for no reason. For, for, it got nothing to do with anything. What the hell's that about? <laughs> yeah, we didn't have a real high opinion, I think, of Bill. But uh, he's, he's still alive. Lustig, is he still yeah. up in a canyon somewhere? Yeah. He's still out there. Yeah. He, was, uh, he was a strange guy. <laughs> yeah. But they were, they, were, they, were, uh, they were good movies to do. Ben Jones said, you got to work with a bunch of incredible directors, John Carpenter, George Romero, Richard Donner. Who did you have the best experience with and why? Well, George is uh, probably because he's from the Berg. He was just uh, a big teddy bear of a guy who was so personable and easy to work with and and almost like being with your best friend as opposed to a director. And he knew exactly what he wanted and he knew exactly how to enable you to do that and, and be there uh, without, without um, directory talky stuff. And John was terrific, but a little more, not personable, you know, he's, he's kind of a cool guy, but um, he was really good. And Donner was, <laughs> Donner was like an old fashioned Hollywood director, cigar smoking all the time when he could, when it wasn't interfering with anything. When, when we shot the scene up at the, uh, at the yard where Busey uh, killed me, we were uh, Palos Verdes, I believe, somewhere just south of L.A., kind of high cliff that the helicopter come up and, and he shot me. And Donner was out on the front street talking to all these people. That was, you know, there are a lot of folks around, just onlookers and that, neighbors and... and uh, Donner said, I heard him out there say, so look, we got these two guys, Danny and Tom in the room and they're talking, the helicopter's gonna come up and shoot Tom and then go over the hill and down. What do you think? You think that'll work? And the people, the fans are going, yeah, oh God, yeah, that sounds great. I hope so, because that's what we're gonna do. <laughs> and he, he, he would talk to everybody and he would talk to, to us while we were working. And what do you think? What do you, uh, you, 
is it all right here or would you rather do it from over here or you want to say this you want to say that and he was really easy uh, lovely guy to work with he did get in a big guy to do there with um, the extras but the first time the helicopter come up uh, for the rehearsal and I'm all rigged up and with squibs and shit and there's 50 people in front of me and at the all around the camera and but it's behind me the door the yard the helicopter comes up and the extras because only about a month before that Vic Morrow and a young kid were killed on the... Twilight Zone, the movie. Yes, yeah. And the extras said, uh, we don't want to do that with this helicopter. We're, no, we, and uh, Donna went out and talked to them. They got the helicopter gaffer to go out and talk to them and assured them that the helicopter would be hovering off the cliff but the perspective makes it look closer and, and then it would fly over. And he said, only when they're hovering, the, the helicopter guy said, only when they're hovering, they're, they're a little dangerous, but when they're moving, they're moving and they're no problem. So they did it. They said, okay, all right. And then they agreed. <laughs> it went. It went a great. It was a great shot and a, a wonderful effect. And, and then Mel's shooting, trying to shoot it while it's flying away. It's a great um, scene. Yeah. Eddie yeah. Coulter said, "What are some of your favorite?" Fast Eddie. Fast Eddie Coulter <laughs> said, what, <laughs> "What are some of your favorite books that you would recommend to read?" I remember a few years ago at a con in Atlanta having a great conversation with you about some of your favorite reads at that time. Oh, wow. All the Light We Cannot See. Um, I love uh, Child's, Lee Child stories, Jack Reacher stories. I like uh, the Baldacci Memory Man kind of stories. I love Michael Connolly. I love the series Bosch mm. and, and all of uh, Connolly's uh, Hieronymus Bosch books. Um, yeah, I'm a big fan of the police procedurals and thriller fiction, but not um, nonfiction. I'm, I get enough of that watching uh, MSNBC and NBC. And <laughs> Addison Heath said, any fun or interesting stories from the set of Maniac Cop? I adore that film and believe it to be one of the most underrated flicks of the 80s. Why? <laughs> Why <laughs> is that? <laughs> Why? I, I actually, I, I do not. Honest <laughs> to God, I don't really have, I have a memory of sitting in a bar with a guy who played a cop who's been in a bunch of horror movies and maybe you can remember i can't and that was kind of fun and i remember uh making this uh entrance into uh, the film down along like a coroner's office uh, hallway and i thought Oh wow, that's neat! And then, and then Lustig 
had some other cop walk with me. And I thought, well, that ain't me. What the hell is that? That's <laughs> just two cops walking down the hall. Yeah, I don't, I didn't have any, uh, I'm, I'm glad um, the guy really appreciated the movie and loved the movie. I wish I could see the underratedness of it. Right. <laughs> How long were you on that, would you guess? Um, you- a couple of weeks. Three weeks, maybe. Yeah. Three weeks or so. Yeah. I'm I'm looking up the cast here, trying to think of who who you might have been talking about. Was it William Smith? Yes. Okay. That was who it was. Yeah. William Smith. Okay. Yeah. Good guess. I, I figured yeah. I was thinking Ben and other horror movies. William yeah, Smith. yeah, yeah. That was him. <laughs> That's him. Um Corey Daniel Forster said which of the Patrick Lissier and Todd Far- Todd Farmer rejected projects was the most disappointing not to get to make Halloween 3D or the Hellraiser prequel. Oh, Halloween 3D. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the one the one that would have um, come after. Yeah. Were these projects you were involved in or signed up for or something like that? No, only talked about with uh, with uh, Patrick mainly. Right. right. But he um he he was going to make Halloween three Rob Zombie storyline. Mm-hmm. And that's the one that, that didn't get made that uh, would have been a lot of fun with Scout mm-hmm. and, and the other girls from the survivors or whoever came from that first storyline. Mm-hmm. Right. But, but that was uh, while we were making Drive Angry that we were talking about that drive angry was a wonderful experience with Patrick and Nick and, and Gary Tonicliffo, I guess makes all of um, Patrick's stuff and Todd down there in uh, Shreveport, Louisiana. But we were talking about the Halloween three Rob zombie storyline. And when drive angry came out, it did so poorly that uh, they, whoever was talking about Halloween 3 said, stop talking and went away. <laughs> yeah, right. it just dried up, disappeared. And um, I felt terrible for Patrick for that, but uh, he's a good director and he does some nice stuff and uh, not having a lot of luck. Michael Grove said, not really a question, but he met you at Horror Hound in 2019, and you were bar- you were. Oh bipolar. hell yeah! I know exactly who he is. I remember. <laughs> no, Michael Grove. Okay, he, he is by far the best guest I've ever met, and I love talking to him about his time on Oz. So he uh, just just making a comment. Did he say he liked talking about Oz? He said he had a nice chat with you about about oh, yeah. Oz. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, Matt Dedosis said, uh, did you enjoy Halloween 40 Years of Terror, the convention, the one, the last one in Pasadena? And did you also enjoy the event at the Buccaneer on the final night? We had a blast. We had a blast. No. I had a blast. That was, that was such a treat. Mm-hmm. When I went there and you told me what we were, you know, ha- you had in mind and that, and I thought, oh my God, at the end of the weekend, this is going to be such a pain in the ass to go up there 
and at night and uh, it was wonderful just wonderful and we sold two two saloons out i mean the yeah. buccaneer two times right they had yeah. two busloads and it was uh i i tried to limit myself to uh two pints of stella i think i ended up with three but i was fine and it was it was great and it was great to 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 belly up to that bar which is as you know still exactly the yeah. way it was when we shot yeah. halloween yeah. 3 there yeah. all those 122 years ago <laughs> and and to belly up to the bar and have every fan come up and raise a glass and take a picture <laughs> say hi to and walk it was just great and i really i really enjoyed uh, um going up to see the church too that you, you took me up afterwards to see the old uh, church from the fog what chris what what were you gonna ask? Oh, no, i was just gonna say i i, I love that area I, I i actually was in that bar shortly before the covid shutdown i actually was oh, out yeah on some show i was working on something and i was in that area and i was like oh, i love this area i'm gonna go have a drink at that place so i went yeah. and sat oh, had a couple drinks there and then yeah. of course went to the fog church because anytime you're out there you gotta hit all that stuff so yeah uh, uh and that bar is exactly the same it's really scary yeah. it was stunning yeah, like, i yeah. couldn't get over it cracked me up yeah. I was really surprised at how willing they were to accommodate us for my idea. Cause when yeah. I first talked to the owner, I thought she was going to be like, nah, there's no way yeah. I'm shutting the bar down for your little event. And I'm oh. like, I've, I, I gotta be getting you guys a lot more business than you normally get. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I, I would think so. Yeah. Especially, even just for the one night. Yeah, on a and Sunday there were people, night. There were people eating and drinking, and they were, they were, they were everybody had a wonderful time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, they yeah. got into it. They even yeah. made up their own special silver shamrock drinks and stuff. Yeah. 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 So. Cool. Yeah. Adam Wilson said, I'd love to know. Oh, hey, I'm sorry. Before we go on. Yeah. You don't have one from Jamie Squires, do you? My friend over in England. Mm. He may not. He may not know about that. Anyway, yes, I do. I do. Do you? Okay. Yeah. Okay. 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 <laughs> okay. Yeah. So now, who who do we have here? Adam Wilson said, "I would love to know if Tom has any interesting stories from his time filming Lethal Weapon." Okay, you already covered that. You covered yeah. it. We'll move on. Uh, Glenn N. Glenn N. said, "How does he approach playing Scrooge, a role played by Scott Finney, Barrymore, and Kane?" And has it changed or evolved over time? Oh, I had the best time here in Pittsburgh. I, when I went to New York, I was there. I had a wonderful time, eight years. And I went out to L.A. for about 15 years. And then I moved back. And I didn't, I didn't expect to move back. I thought I'd come back for a year, hang out for a while, and get out of a, my first marriage that uh, was not working, and then go back to LA, but um, I stayed here, found a whole new life. And I started doing plays as I had in New York and in LA. I did a couple of plays in LA, 
But I started doing plays down at the Pittsburgh Public Theater, and I would do one a year or two a year, off and on through uh, the 70s, 80s, 90s. And then 2003, we opened The Chief, one man show, and we did it for 10 years. Great role. And the following year in 2004, they invited me to do Scrooge at the Pittsburgh CLO down around the corner at the, at the Bayam Theater. And I loved doing that. Sometimes, one year, near the end of, um, it all ended about mm, five years ago. I think I've wrapped up everything. But um, one of the final years I did Our Town, the stage manager in the fall, followed by Scrooge and then the chief. Man, I, I was tarred. I want to take a hot char for about an hour. <laughs> As Jimmy Garner would say, you go take a hot char for about an hour, you'd feel better. Uh but it was the treat of my life that, that year and those roles. And Scrooge, I loved Scrooge. My favorite Scrooge was the first Alistair, Alistair something, 1930-something, 40-something. I just found his performance to be so, so doer followed by incredible joy and redemption that uh, that's kind of who I did mine on. I loved it. Yeah. I loved both of those roles to end up on Scrooge and the chief. Looking up who it was, Alistair Sim. Alistair Sim. Yes. That's him. Yeah. Um, he also had a, this is a, a weird question. I don't know the reference, but maybe he's, uh, he knows more than I do. W was his frat Gamma Pi notorious for anything? And is he still in touch with his brothers? Of course I am. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and it's Gamma Phi. Gamma Phi. We are the oldest local fraternity in the country. Wow. We're. They are at uh, Duquesne University mm -hmm. and a hundred and probably 105 now, 106 years old fraternity. And uh, my fraternity brothers, I'm still in touch with uh, a bunch of them that I went there uh, with. And they're my brothers. And we meet at a place called Slice on Broadway, pizza joint that was owned by a, fr a friend, an old fraternity friend who lets us bring our own wine and we buy his food and salad, but drink uh, wine that the brothers make. Right. Yeah, so I still see them, but with the COVID, not so much, hmm. yeah. Um, Ryan Golinghorst said, "Was what's it like to be the coolest MFer on the planet?" And then he says, "Never mind, <laughs> chuds like me will never understand." So, yeah. <laughs> uh, so Mark Beer says, "Much love to Tom. 
when did he meet John Carpenter for the first time? Was it during auditioning for The Fog? And what was his experience like working on The Fog? It was not. The first time I met uh, John Carpenter was at the screening of Halloween at the Directors Guild Screening Room Theater over in Hollywood. And it's a nice little story. I was married to Garn, Marge, who in the motel room next door in Halloween 3, she was my actual wife then. Or maybe we weren't married yet then, but um, I was with her. She and me, she was in Greece with uh, Adrienne in New York, and they were great friends. So Adrienne said, I'm starting to date this fella and I want you to meet him because I think it's serious. So she said, come and see the movie he just made. And we went and uh, so it's Garn, myself, and our friend Jeannie, whose husband owned a restaurant over in the Fairchild District Market, Farmer's Market District. He, uh, the three of us are sitting, I'm in the middle. So the movie starts. And, uh, and before long, both of them are like this. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Can we look? Can we look? Yeah, look now. Oh, God. Oh, my God. <laughs> so at the end of it, I loved it. It was a, It's a wonderful movie, as, as we all know. And uh, at the end of it, they both leaned across me and said, we cannot let Adrienne marry this guy. <laughs> he is insane. So <laughs> we went up to the lobby and that's when I met John. And he was not insane. He's a great guy. So um, no, I didn't have to audition for, he invited me to do the fog. And there you go. That's how I met him. <laughs> That's um, a great story. Yeah. Uh, Gary Mancini. And they worked. did get married. Yeah. They got married. And that worked, and they out. Had Cody. That worked out great. They um, have a beautiful <laughs> son, Cody. Yeah. Gary Mancini said, what might Dr. Chalice have done at, at the end of Halloween 3? Do you see any further adventures for him? <laughs> That's a random question, I know. Well... I don't think he, oh, well, maybe he just moved back in with his wife and lived happily ever after with <laughs> his two kids, who I never really understood why he left them. <laughs> he was a bit of a... Uh, a ladies' man. Yeah, I guess. I guess bit. you could say that, yeah. <laughs> and he was fond of the jar. God knows, I never drank so much beer in my life as I did in that film. <laughs> well, yeah. Brian, my friend Brian Collins actually submitted a question, and it kind of pertains to that one. He says, what do, you, what do you think that Dr. Chalice would be doing right now? Having Today. a Miller Lite? Or, or, no, having a, having a beer. <laughs> um, 
looking for some other lonely uh, women no. that just lost their fathers to, to consult. <laughs> that, that Dr. Chalice from 35, 40 years ago, he would. Yeah. But this Dr. Chalice would be looking for a nice glass of red wine and a, a really good meal. And, a fresh and a, widow. And a warm body to lean against yeah uh craig phillips wanted to know what was it like to do a love scene in halloween three with your wife right next door yeah wasn't that weird wow <laughs> <laughs> actually uh uh garn wasn't anywhere around that day because she wasn't shooting but it, it was um surprisingly uh, a lot easier and more comfortable than I thought it would be. And there weren't, weren't that many people in the room. There's only, uh, Tommy and, um, Dean and the camera operator and 30 other members of the crew. No, I'm, I'm only kidding. <laughs> there were only maybe a half a dozen. It was, uh, it was all right. I, I kind of wish in retrospect, we had gotten it going a little more. I bet you do. I yeah, bet yeah, you yeah, do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you still friends with Tommy and, and things like that? Do you still? Yeah. Well, up? not friends, but we email once in a while or we don't, but we don't call on the phone or talk. And I see him. We always have a nice get together when we're uh, go to the conventions. Right. But, uh, not really. No. Okay. Well, we were all supposed to have gotten together this past October in Florida, but that got postponed. Oh, I know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe in, maybe in May. Is well, that, I, it got next shot. Well, I don't think he was he involved in the one in May. I no, no, no. This is a different Florida guy. Yeah. Yeah. No, the, that's that's Pensacola. The one I'm talking about was Orlando. Right. Right. And actually, Chris was supposed to go to that one too. So yeah. hopefully. If maybe we'll all be in Orlando in, in this October, fingers crossed. Yeah, that'd be all right. Yeah, yeah, that'd be all right. I would enjoy that. That'd be fun. Um, Anthony Landry said that he's also looking to become a silver fox. How does one become <laughs> one and attain such legendary status as you? Oh, <laughs> it's all because of my father. <laughs> That's where I get the hair. I had nothing to do with that. And uh, Patrick refers to me as a silver fox once in a while. I never think of myself as a silver fox. I'm just a guy with silver hair and a nice mustache and a nice smile. And yeah. He also said, thank you for being so kind at the Buccaneer meet and greet. Be safe and all the best. So he was uh, there, apparently. Best of him, too. There were a lot of really sweet people there that night. That was just... what I can't get over how how joyous that evening was. It was uh, really fun. Really... Yeah, I was, I was so, at that point, exhausted and stressed from that I'm weekend. I'm sure. I'm sure you were. I'm just glad it went smooth. Yeah. And when it was over and everybody left and I drove you by the fog church, yeah, I, the sense of relief and weight lifted off my shoulders was so great. <laughs> great. Uh, wow. Yeah. I'm, 
I'm sure it was, Sean, because you worked hard on that. That was a that was a terrific weekend. Yeah. Yeah. It was fun. Great, great turnout at the show. It's you know, wonderful turnout for uh for all the fans. Mm. That one, Horror Hound, Nathan in Cincinnati, they're mm. good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. David West said, Tom, what was your favorite film to star in? And were you disappointed that Halloween three season of the witch wasn't a film with Michael Myers was when that's a good question. When that was brought to you, Hey, you want to be is, in Halloween three. Did you yeah. immediately think, Oh, Michael Myers movie. I, I did not uh, think that. Uh, because I think one of the first things that anybody said to me, I can't remember if it was Tommy or John, because John and Deborah produced it, and they, so they were they were involved in it. But one of the first people to talk to me about it told me that Michael Myers would not be in it. So I, it it didn't matter to me whether he was or he wasn't, but. Um, I figured when I read the script, I thought, well, there's going to be a lot of angry people. <laughs> he isn't in it. And, um, there, and, and, and you could just, you just knew that. And it's just something we had to deal with. And Tommy did the best job he could. Uh, I think by far with, with what he had, I think we made a really good movie yeah. and, and the people that come up to me at shows later down the road and said, where the fuck was Michael Myers? Jesus Christ. I got to, I'm <laughs> 10 minutes in the movie. No fucking Michael Myers. What's going on? And <laughs> my, my personal question, I don't know that you could put this with, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Were you happy when the, with the final product when it first came out? A and B, are you surprised that the resurgence that movie has had all these years later how people are looking back on it now and it's it's actually getting a lot more attention a lot more respect and a lot more love than it than it has in the past like especially it, it people does. are starting to realize it that is that is true and i'm i i was happy with the way it turned out i think yeah. tommy was i'm i'm not sure um but I don't, I think they should have made it clearer somehow or, or, or not put the Halloween three on it and let it be season of the witch. Something to, uh, I, I think it's the marketing of it that, um, that um, kind of denigrated it at, at the beginning. And I am, I am in awe of the uh, the love that it's gotten since and continues to seem to build. Yeah. Um, the longer we're away from the time of making it um, and first releasing it, uh, it's just gotten somehow richer and richer. Right. And I have so many people come up to me now and say it's my favorite of the Halloween th movies. And I've it's sweet. Nice. Yeah. Great. Oh, the thing about you said something before that. Oh, my favorite film to star in. Um, Night of the Creeps. Yeah. 
Night of the Creeps is my favorite. Um, David Grove, he's actually a pretty well-known author. He's written several books on various franchises and stuff. Uh, he had a question for you. Mr. Yeah. Atkins, as you and Charles Cyphers and Nancy Loomis and others appeared in multiple John Carpenter's films, did you feel like you were part of John Car Carpenter's unofficial repertory company? I guess, in a sense, but um, not so much. Chucky, I think, has been in seven or eight. I, I don't know, a, a bundle of them. I was only in, what, two, three, two? Well, if you count Halloween three, well, Halloween three is so one three is Escape from New York and the Fog. Escape from New York, yeah, three. Um, yeah, I guess so. I, I guess so. And it's kind of a nice uh, other fraternity to belong to. Well, yeah, I, I, I've I said this to you before, and, and yeah. I still kind of stand by this. I kind of feel like you were replaced by Peter Jason. Like it seemed like the parts that you would have gotten in future Carpenter films went to Peter Jason, who went on to do, I believe, seven ah, movies. Ah. Um, and I think maybe that had a little something to do with your relationship with Adri, um, and and their split. But oh yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. Yeah, yeah that could be. My my biggest disappointment with John was, uh, I remember him, before he and Adrian were solid, he lived in Malibu. He, he rented a place in Malibu for a while. And we were out there, I'm pretty sure it was his place. Anyway, we were out there uh, one day having uh, drinks and food and stuff and and he told me about the thing that he wanted to make uh, the thing. And I said, oh, my, that's my favorite Halloween or favorite horror movie of all time. It's the first ho horror movie I ever saw sci-fi was uh, the Howard Hawks production in um, 1953. Mm -hmm. And I, I, uh, I love that movie. And he said, well, my, mine's going to be based kind of on the story, but it's going to be different, more, more like the book, I guess. And uh, that was my biggest disappointment was not being in that. Yeah. And you I would have been love, absolutely perfect for it. I oh, mean, yeah. Would have been I, would love, I would love to have been any one of those guys in that. Right. Not, not Kurt Rold, but anybody. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. That would have been. Uh, I would have put you on the roller treat. skates. Such a treat. <laughs> but I, I think, I think John was uh, was a part of. The, well, well, I don't know what. Anyway, I'm I'm sorry I wasn't in it. Yeah. Um, David, anything, anything, everything with yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Uh, David had another question. He said, Mr. Atkins, has Halloween 3 marked the end of the Carpenter Hill filmmaking partnership as John Carpenter and Deborah Hill went their separate ways after the completion of that film? Did this feel like the end of an era for you? No. No. Uh, hell no. I, I, it was only the beginning for me. I, I, you know, I just, 
done the fog and Halloween three, a couple of things. No, didn't feel like the end of any kind of, I never had the sense that I was in an era. Right. Of, uh, you know, <laughs> I think he uh, meant more of the era of the, the I, I understand what he meant, but yeah. uh, no, I didn't okay. feel that. You're just working. I mean, you're just working. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jeffrey Robillard wants to know, do you have any memories from the MASH episode you guest starred back in 81, 82? I do. I do. (laughs) I do have a couple. um, I remember sitting outside the the set, um, wherever the hell it was, a tent. We weren't really outside. It was on a stage somewhere. But there were all the tents around and talking with Alan Alda and uh, the other guy, Pierce. uh, I can't remember his name. Nice guy who also has a relationship with the Berg. But we were talking and talking about the dialogue and uh, something about um, uh, until now nobody ever burned the toast or something. And and Alan Alda said, "Wow, that's such a good line. It's such a whatever it was." He said, "We we got to get that in there somewhere," and 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 we did. And they were really, and it was our ninth year, I think, of eleven. And but they were as eager to to do it as I was for my first time, as they were for their. 387th time it was a sweet nice uh, i'm i'm glad i was able to do it and i love playing a bigot getting <laughs> cashiered out of the army by a black guy no no less yeah i i did i i enjoyed that a lot in his suite what was his name nicole williamson i think that was that it that was the name of the actor? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm not great. at. No, uh, I, I don't see anybody <laughs> with a name close to that. Because he didn't end up being in the film. That's oh, part that, of the okay. story. Well, there you go. So he starts <laughs> out as the colonel. He's gone through a terrible divorce. We're really behind the Iron Curtain. Um, the Soviets are they're everywhere. Everywhere you go, they follow you. Every, and and. You think you're being paranoid, but you're not. They really are. And, uh, and the phone, it's uh, no cell phones then. They're, the phones go away in the middle. You're talking to your wife in California and all of a sudden not there. So <laughs> this happened numerous times to uh, Nicole. We're about a week, week into the shoot. And he, uh, the phone disappears. He took every single thing in his room that would fit through the window and threw it into the front street. And immediately, all these gray soup, Gestapo kind of guys are upstairs. And they tell... Um, Blatty, he's gone. He's out of here. He can't be in the country. We don't want him. I'm a week into the shoot. He's the star of the movie. He's gone. So he left. He was gone. 
and they brought in Stacy Keach. He starred as the colonel. Second thing, Michael, <laughs> Michael, help me. Uh, well, he wasn't in either, so you won't find his name. Okay. <laughs> Michael Irish, an Irish kid. Um, he's in. Uh, he plays uh, Scott Wilson's part, but he starts. Uh, Scott isn't that. So Michael Moriarty is in the uh, in this starring role, and him and Blatty Blatty has adopted him as his uh, Catholic godson, kind of. Keep keep talking. Okay, I can and hear talk, you. Go ahead, and he um, helps him through all the the film, the scenes, the the dialogue, the motivation, everything at his home in Malibu, Blatty. And when we get over there, first day on the set, we all get called to the set. Right. And him, Michael and Eddie are in the room, Eddie Flanders, to shoot this scene. And they talk about it, they set it up, they get ready and Michael, or uh, Blatty says, action. And Michael says, I don't know, Bill. I got a question about this. I'm I'm not sure what what I'm doing here. <laughs> Bill says, "You're fired." What? Wow. He, he's he's gone. Bill couldn't believe that after all the prep and all the work that he right. was having trouble uh, finding uh, his way as the character, and he fired him. And so wow. he's gone. And Scott Wilson got moved up. Now Stacy comes in. And, uh, and the last story, there was a disco on the top floor. <laughs> the sixth floor. And we all, we all went there a lot. We had so much for DM, but it was in, <laughs> it was in Hungarian money. The foreign, it's called F-O-R-I-N. And you can't, it's not worth a penny over the, any border. But in Hungary, it was, you know, so we had a lot of money. We went up there and drank and ate and bought people rounds and stuff. And, and uh, Scott, myself, uh, uh, the old black actor, Moses Gunn, we were there, Joe Spinell. Jason Miller had fallen in love with his uh, girls uh, at the American Embassy. We used to go there, legation, every once in a while, go to a dance, or, you know, just schmooze, be with people who spoke American. And, uh, and she is across the disco with the ambassador to Zaire and his part. <laughs> <laughs> and he he kept getting Jason kept getting angrier and angrier and angrier and, and Joe Spinell who loved the Egemon said Jason there ain't nothing to it but to do it <laughs> Jason takes off just wrecked drunk runs across the room 
dives across the table at the Zyurian ambassador, but comes up short and lands on the table. <laughs> and the Zyurian guy is going, you bastard, you bat American bastard. And Joe Spinell grabs a beer bottle, goes over and smacks the Zyurian ambassador over the head. What? And we all <laughs> exit, exit, just <laughs> <Yeah>, go. <laughs> <laughs> and Spinell and uh, Jason went right down to uh, <laughs> right down to Blatty's room and knocked on the door and it's about two in the morning and he said uh, I think there's going to be people here we're probably in a little bit of trouble and just <laughs> giving you a heads up right but we're all we all scattered and it was so they they wanted to uh, they wanted to kick Jason out they wanted to kick Spinell out of the camp by then we're uh, two thirds of the way through the film, so it, it got worked out, and uh, Spinell had to move to a different hotel, the Geller down on the river, and but it worked out. Wow, that's a great! It was, it was crazy, and there are way more. <laughs> it, it was. A, are you going to write a book? When are you going to write a book about? Yeah, I keep thinking of doing that, but um, I don't know. I really do think a movie of the making of that movie would have been better than the movie that was made. Right. Yeah. More fun. You uh, should write a book. You should really write a book. I okay. Think. Just okay. do that. Yeah. All right, seriously. Chris. <laughs> and call it the 10th configuration. There you go. Yeah. Um, Nathan Fulps said, what was his white whale role, meaning the role you always wanted but never got? Oh. Oh, I don't know. Early days. Actually, it was uh, one that Michael Moriarty did. The kid who got fired from uh, Ninth Configuration. Excuse me. Early on, I was in a play called uh, the, mm, the Changing Room on Broadway. Uh, rugby team from the north of England, Johnny Lithgow, <clears throat> a bunch of a whole bunch of us. Johnny Cazal started out in it, but left to do the first uh, Godfather, I think. Mm. And um, yeah, in the seventies, early early seventies, I had a really nice role in it, and uh, Catherine Hepburn's niece. I knew from doing a play with her up in uh, Ironton, Connecticut, a year or so before. She came to see it and brought her aunt, because uh, I didn't know this, but her aunt was going to do a television movie with David Susskind producing um, The Glass Menagerie. Hmm. And she came, uh, I guess uh, Kathy said, come and see Tom. He's in this play. And I think he'd be good for the gentleman caller and Catherine Hepburn came and saw it. I didn't meet her, but um, Kathy called me after and said, uh, my aunt really liked you. She thought you were wonderful in the play. And then my agent got a call and said, they'd like you to come over and read for the gentleman caller in uh, David Susskind's office. And I said, yeah, sure. I'd love to. So I went and I read and um, and I read with her. She was there, Miss Hepburn. And we did this scene together and she's crying and 
um, I thought this this is good. This is going good, and I got I got the offer, but I could not get out of the play. Oh, they would not let me out of the play to do to do the part, and that was that was a big disappointment. Yeah. Wow. But you you worked so you worked with John Cazale. Oh God, I love Johnny Cazale. I'm a huge. Yeah, Cazale. we were we were great friends when uh, we we were young in the late '60s, early '70s. Yeah, and he, um, I worked a lot at uh, Longworth Theater in New Haven, and I had a shack in East Haven uh, that I rented, and um, he come up and stayed there for one season and uh oh my god yeah that's a whole nother i could hopefully one day you and i can be in the same room together maybe one of these conventions or something and oh sure i, I would i could talk to you with you all night <laughs> oh yeah did you know him were you friends with him back oh, then? oh no i'm, I'm oh I'm, my god i was just a just a fan of his stuff and you know i yeah i mean he's and what five movies, uh, yeah. uh, but the biggest movies ever, you know. And there's that, that great documentary about him, and I know yeah. a lot of his, his stage work and stuff. So, yeah, it's just, and just, just the sweetest, sweetest kid yeah. then, back then. Yeah. And then he died, not, yeah, man, man. And he, he died while I was in uh, Ninth Configuration. I got a call from Garn who said, how dumb I was then. She said, somebody called Meryl Street called you and said, John Cazal died. And I, I knew he was dying because I had seen him in LA just before I went over to do it. And uh, I, I felt so awful. But yeah, we had a we had a really nice friendship relationship and I, it always, it doesn't it knock you out, Chris, when you think that he only made five movies and every yeah. single one of them was nominated for best picture. Yeah. That's stunning. Stunning. That's and considered a, a cinema classic. Yeah. 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 Amazing. Yeah. Sorry. I'd, lo I'd love to talk to you about him someday. Yeah, Hopefully great. in Orlando, we'll all have drinks and hear more oh, nice configuration yeah. stories. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Greg Gilbert said uh, you were, although uncredited, he's wondering what your memories are of Barbara Streisand and the Owl and the Pussycat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she she was um, funny. It, my main memory of uh, Alan the Pussycat is we had to confront her, kind of uh, rile her up in, in a parking garage or somewhere underneath a building in the scene. And um, she eventually, I, I think I said, I say finally say something to her across a car roof. And she says, oh, fuck off. Well, she... <laughs> The, the director, I, I, his name, gone now, but he, she had to do that 
I can't tell you, man, 10, 15 times. He, he never, he just didn't like the way she said it. <laughs> and I thought, she's just saying fuck off. What, what's it? That's my uh, main memory. Herbert Ross. Herbert Ross, yeah. He was the director. How to yeah. look it up. Around that same time. This doesn't have anything to do with uh, with that, but um, did uh, Worst Papa with Ruth Gordon, George, uh, what's his face, and and uh, Carl Reiner directed it. And he, what a delightful guy he was. And I played a rookie cop, had to arrest the dog because George said the dog ate his mother. And the dog is in this little alcove or something. And so I had to go over and read the dog its rights and cuff it. <laughs> and, and it has a little, it's a German shepherd and it's got a little piece of Ruth Gordon's red dress hanging out of its mouth. So when I went over and I read the dog its rights and then I said, give me your paw. And the dog went, and that wasn't in it, but the dog went and and I had the cuffs ready. And Carl said, Cut. That's so great. That's so great. You asked, oh, that's a great okay. That was a that was a nice memory. George Siegel. George, George Siegel. Siegel. George Siegel. I'm like the proofreader. I go and I double check everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A fact sure. checker. Fact checker, yeah. Jamie Squires. Jamie Squires. Uh, he's, we're getting to him. Okay. Michael Lantern wants to know, what's your personal favorite horror movie, whether you're in it or not? Well, my favorite that I was in was Night of the Creeps. The, yeah. uh, my favorite horror, uh, probably Frankenstein from, you know, the first Boris Karloff. No, The Bride of Frankenstein back then with Elsa Lancaster yeah. and Boris Karloff. That. That is my favorite. Yeah. 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 So Jeremy Squires asked the question, but you already answered it. But <laughs> he wanted to know if you were considered in a role in John Carpenter's The Thing. But I, I was. I met with John on it in, in addition to talking with him. I did go over and, and meet with him and we talked about it and I I kind of thought because all the conversations we had about my loving the original thing and him making the thing and that we would uh, do it together but uh, we did not hmm. it wasn't a huge disappointment but I'm a little sorry I wasn't in it I think I would have added to it to the yeah. film you'd have been great yeah um, and tell Jamie. Well, you can tell uh, him. He's, he'll be watching this. You tell Jamie. Jamie, <laughs> I miss you, man. I hope I get to see you. Maybe in, uh, maybe we can all be in Orlando um, in the fall, or maybe we'll get over to England and say hi to Rosie. Give her a big hug for me. Happy birthday to her again. And. Yeah, he's got this, uh, him and his wife have a wonderful daughter, Rosie. Okay. Nice. Um, Russell Waggus, who 
by the way, he's the guy who made the Halloween three trading cards. Did I ever send you those, Tom? The the set of trading cards from Horror Hound? No, uh, it, I fan. have a deck of Horror Hound trading cards. Oh, not trading. No, no, you never did. Okay, so I got them. I have I know playing I was, cards. I was supposed to give them to you when I saw you next, and then we ended up covid happened so i oh, still have I them here somewhere a fan made these really cool custom halloween three trading cards i gave chris mm, got a yeah. set they're really nice yeah, they're, they're um, really cool so great. i got those for you but he has a All question right. what was one role you turned down and regretted also was there ever a character you played only once that you wish you could have played again i already know the answer to that one i would love to play the detective ray cameron for about boom <laughs> seven times that would have been great fun and there there is uh did he say what role were you ever offered that you turned down and you regretted yes yeah none huh. i was never offered a role i have turned down roles but never one that i regretted okay yeah all right we're getting close to the end we're almost at the end i think we got like Three more questions left. Andrew, okay. uh, ain't Inis? Inis? Chris, shouldn't you be back at work? Shouldn't you yes. be doing something? See? <laughs> yes. Yes, but I'm here talking to you. I told them they could go fuck off. I'm talking <laughs> You said um, that better than Barbara. <laughs> Andrew Inis said, uh, or Annis, Andrew Annis said, what was the okay? Well, he was asking about what was the gist of the Art Rooney stage show, but we kind of already covered that. Um, but what aspects of Pittsburgh life do you enjoy the most and the least? There isn't any part of Pittsburgh that I enjoy the least. Mm -hmm. I enjoy all of it. Um, he bleeds black and gold. Nah, <laughs> not, no, I don't bleed black and gold. Hey, did you see where they signed another uh, a different quarterback? No. Oh yeah, some a college kid. I can't remember where. Just signed him up uh -oh. um, a few days ago. So uh, is it just me? Or does Chris look a little bit like Roethlisberger? Yes, he does. Yeah, <laughs> and I'll tell you who who else what? looked. It. Put a helmet on you. You'd look just like him. Who else looked a little like Roethlisberger was Garth Brooks at the inauguration when he came down, took off his hat, and started to sing. And I thought. God damn, it's Big Ben. <laughs> looks like Ben. Um, but no, I'm. I, I love the Steelers. I love the Penguins. I love the Pirates sometimes, but I don't go to their games much anymore. Um, even before COVID, because they they just won't put any money into the team. They won't. They won't build it. They get rid of everybody that's good. And but. I love Pittsburgh. I love, it's my it's my hometown, and I I adore it. Um, it's a great great city. I love everything about it. I love the saloons, though not as much as I did when I was young. But um, I love the neighborhoods. Uh, it's why I like uh, New York too. New York is m way more neighborhoody than you think it is when you think of Manhattan, but. Yeah. But if I came to Pittsburgh and bought a house there, where should I buy one? Where should I look? Uh, well, uh, off the top of your head. Uh, Mount Lebanon. 
it's a nice, uh, nice uh, neighborhood. It's close into the city, and but I don't know. I don't know what you um, what you like. You might like downtown, get an apartment downtown or something. But no, no I want to live. Yeah, I want to live out. Out. <laughs> a little. Oh, a little bit out. Well, well you know. Mount Lebanon's only 10 minutes from town. It's an old neighborhood, but it's a good neighborhood. And um, my wife, is, uh, we live further out, a half hour beyond Mount Lebanon. And every time we go into town for anything and we come home, we always come out through Mount Lebanon. And she always says, if we lived here, we'd be home now. <laughs> but no, we have another half hour to go. Right. So, Sorry, got off topic. Go ahead. Hit the question. Right. It's all right. It's all it's all good. All right. Second to last question here. David Thompson. He says Night of the Creeps is one of my all-time favorite horror movies. What was it like working on that film? Did Fred leave any room for improvisation? And how does it feel getting your own Ray Cameron action figure? It felt great. Yeah. <laughs> what a what a treat. For how long? Forty years after the movie, they come out with an action figure, right. <laughs> something like that. Yeah, it's good. Oh, I'm I forgot to put one up here. Um, <laughs> I got a few downstairs, but uh, were, uh, yeah, I don't have one up here. But yeah, that felt great. That was a treat. And, I, and it, uh, the girl at the Shout Factory said it sold out in four weeks, pretty quick, and. Uh, I was uh, thrilled with that. Working on it, the treat of uh, my movie-making time. You know, it's funny that people ask that. Did Fred leave room was for improvisation? And was there improvisation? And did you make up those lines? And, and I, we didn't make up anything. It was all scripted. And um, Fred wrote it, and but they, I sure did have some great lines. Yeah, I, I had more fun lines in that film than anything, and it was a, it was a joy to make. We did shot down in um, near uh, US UCLA campus on just south of LA. Or well, the. Park. The, the the sorority the street was U, it was UC USC USC yeah okay and we shot in the in the in the valley North Hollywood driving that old Merc around and uh, yeah I loved it I just uh, yeah. I love I love working on that I love doing that scene with uh, Jason where I tell the story of my wife and Fred just kept getting Closer, 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 closer. I love that, doing that scene and just doing the whole film. And again, I'm only sorry that it didn't do uh, better when it came out than it did. But again, yet again, has found a, quite a cult following an audience over these years. And you were so good. That's, I love that film. It's such a, I have such a soft spot for that film because yeah. it's got, it's yeah. it's it checked all the boxes of what I wanted want to see in that type of movie. It looks cool. Yeah. It has this weird, silly '80s vibe. It's got 
the 50s um, in, in it and that film noir kind of detective thing as well. Yeah. It's all these, uh, I just, I, I love all those elements and you were so good. You were not so funny and yet really great dramatic performance too with your story. I just, I just love that movie. It's got, it's over the top. You're just, yeah. it's such a popcorn entertaining film. It, it really is. is. It is. Thanks. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you liked it. I'm, I'm glad all the fans that have uh, come to love it all over the years. Are, yeah. You know, it's funny. I just realized all yeah. these questions, we didn't get one creep show question or escape from the work. That's not a one. That's not one. Not a one. Interesting. See how quickly yeah. they forget. They forget. Uh, <laughs> so George, I, George is gone. So they don't. <laughs> Yeah, I saved I saved one of the, the the best question for last, or is it? I don't know. Uh, it, this is probably a question that's been burning in people's minds for years. And Frankie, oh, it's Co probably been burning in my mind too. Well, no, you know the answer. You know the answer, sir. Okay. Uh, Frankie Carter wants to know who was the best kisser, Jamie Lee or Stacy Nelkin? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, come on, guys. I, can't. I, uh, I know what your answer should be, but I'm curious of what you're <laughs> and, but you'll be But my answer, I think what you should say. I know what you should say, but go ahead. Why do you, why do you say that he should say that? I know what you're yeah, thinking. Why but... do you? Why do you? Only because I, I, I maybe because I, what I what I expect to come out of your mouth is is Silver Fox class, which is gentlemen don't gentlemen don't say. Yeah, and that is what comes out <laughs> of my mouth is I I couldn't possibly say they were both wonderful young women to work with in every sense of the word, and Jamie I think was only nineteen. I believe at the time, Stacy a little older, but um, yeah, <laughs> they they were uh, they were sweet, and they still are sweet, and they're still really very attractive women, and um, and, and and good women. I haven't. Um, I haven't seen uh, Jamie since that uh, the show at Harhound, Indiana, when she yeah yeah, yeah. Um, that was a number of years ago. Stacy, I I talked to more often on on the phone and um, text each other, and I saw her more recently. Yeah, and hopefully we'll see her in in Orlando. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Yeah. At uh, Phantasm. Phantasm with an F. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, you should ask them. What do they think of my kissing? Oh, that's a better question. Back there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, see, this, this is why you're the envious so so many, so many men and young men yeah. and now 
you know, middle-aged men like Chris and I <laughs> because of these kinds of questions, you know, that's right. why. That's right. <laughs> well, I absolutely appreciate you spending an hour and a half with us talking about your career. Has it been that long? It has. Yeah. I know. Wow. It's yeah. It's, it's, it was so great to have you. I enjoyed this thoroughly again, huge fan. And I really look forward to, sitting down with you in person with all Me of too, us Me chatting here and yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Thank you so much for doing this. Oh, it was my pure pleasure. Thanks a lot. It was great meeting you. And I hope I get to sit down and have a couple of beers, talk about Johnny Casal with you. Yes. <laughs> yes. All right. And Mr. Clark, I hope I see you before long. <laughs> I know why. It's nice to see your faces now, but it'd be nice to give you a little hug and give Nay a hug and say hi. I'll, I will. I will give her a hug for you as soon as we jump off. Okay. All right. <laughs> oh, tell, make sure you tell her that that piece of work with Ray Wise and the weird guy. Yeah. That was to. That's really wonderful. Yeah. Did she have that yet, or, or is that still upcoming? No, that actually tonight. Is the oh, is it? tonight is the exhibit opening? We can't go because we had uh, prior plans. My my aunt is coming over tonight for dinner and something we'd had planned for weeks. Oh yeah! But yeah. Um, tonight is the exhibit opening at the Sugar Mint Gallery. They're doing a Twin Peaks ex uh, exhibit, and uh -huh. I just dropped that piece off for on Wednesday. So it's at the exhibit. It's a one of a kind. There's no prints. So it's it's available to whoever buys it. And I'll, I'll drop a picture of it in here so people can see what it looks like. And maybe okay. by the time this airs, it's already sold, I hope. Oh, I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> Thanks again, fellas. Thank you, sir. Pleasure. I'll talk, I'll talk to you soon, Tom. All right. See ya. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye. Can you hear us? Yeah, no. He's hey, hey. I was married to Garn, Marge, who got eaten out of her brain in the motel room next door in Halloween 3. She was my actual wife then. <laughs>